So I titled today's message, Be All In. Be All In. Now, I have played poker a few times in my life, mostly in middle school and high school. And I don't play very often, but I have watched a few poker tournaments on television. And All In is a gambling term. If you're playing poker and you think that you have the best hand, that you have an unbeatable hand, you push all of your chips in and you bet it all. And you're saying, I'm putting all my trust in this one hand. I'm trusting my future to this hand succeeding. So all in is a gambling term, but it has also become a term that people use when they're completely committed to something. I mean, you're giving it your all. You're giving all of your time or all of your attention. You aren't holding anything back. Here's what I'm guessing. I'm guessing everyone in this room is all in in some area of your life. I'm guessing you're all in. I mean, you might be all in on being a good parent. I mean, you're taking your kids to all sorts of events and involving them in all sorts of things and you're helping them with their homework so that they get a good education and you're trying to help them do well socially and make friends. Or maybe you're all in when it comes comes to excelling at your career. I mean you are working to get that next promotion and you're working to improve your skills to make yourself more valuable to the company. Or maybe you're all in when it comes to your hobby. I mean, you love fishing or camping or skiing or running or crafting and you aren't holding anything back. And it could be your marriage. It could be your romance It could be the sports that you love the most or any number of things, but but I'm betting you're all in somewhere in your life. There's a quote that I think of quite often, and I've heard forms of the quote attributed to the great missionary William Carey and most recently to Francis Chan, but I first read it in a message by the great evangelist Dwight L. Moody. So let me quote him. He said, Our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. Our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. And one of the reasons we start each year wanting something better and different is because we have spent so much of our lives working to succeed at things that don't matter and will never matter. Sure, it's important that you succeed with your kids, but that doesn't mean that you have to involve them in every sport and every extracurricular activity. Yes, you need to make a living, but when you get to the end of your life, it really isn't going to matter whether you were one of the managers for your company or the CEO of your company. And I hate to tell you, but our sports and our hobbies are supposed to be entertainment, not obsessions. Entertainment. And I suspect if we examine some of the things that we've been working at succeeding at, we would find that we're succeeding at things that don't really matter. That don't really matter. 
So what does this mean? Does it mean that we should just settle for life the way it is? That we should just kind of take life as it comes? No, not at all. It means that we should succeed at things that do matter. Things that will still make a difference when we get to the end of our lives. Things that will matter for all eternity. We have said recently that our soul cries out for more, that our soul cries out for better, and that those desires are God-given, and that it is the reason that Jesus came to earth to give us better. Look at what Jesus said in John chapter 10. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And I like the way the message paraphrases this same verse. Jesus said, I came so that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. Jesus came to give us more life. He came to give us better life. He came so that we could live not chasing after things that don't matter, but so that we can live our life to the full, having better than we ever dreamed of. Hear me clearly. God wants you to have a full life, a better life than you have right now. He wants that for you. That's why Jesus said that he came to earth to give you that. And so when you desire something better, when you desire something different, that is not an ungodly thing. It is a godly desire. It is you wanting what Jesus came to give you. So there's nothing ungodly, there's nothing worldly about you saying, I want it. I want a better life. I want all that God has for me. That's what I want. That's true of me. I want it. I want all that God wants to give to me. I want to experience everything. I don't want to miss anything that God wants for me. But here's the deal. The way that we get all that God has to give to us is by being all in with him. It's by being all in with him. It's me pushing aside every aspect of my life and saying, I'm trusting the rest of my life to Jesus. I'm pushing every aspect of my life to Jesus and I'm giving myself fully to following him. I'm gonna follow him fully. And I know that's not as easy as it sounds. So let me point out two decisions that... Uh, I have to make and a radical step that I have to take if I'm ever going to be all in with Jesus, if I'm going to begin my best year ever. First, I have to decide who's in charge. Who's in charge? The question is, who is the leader of your life? Who's in charge? Who gets to control your calendar and your bank account and your agenda who gets to control those aspects of your life is it you or is it Jesus now I am not assuming that you have to choose Jesus some people just insist on staying in control of their own life they want their voice to be prominent they want to take charge and not give up control to anyone even to Jesus and you don't have to decide 
that Jesus is in charge of your life. You don't have to decide that, but you do have to make a decision one way or the other because Jesus says you cannot have it both ways. You can't have it both ways. Jesus said that's impossible. Look at this passage from Luke 16. No servant can serve two masters. The servant will hate one master and love the other or will follow one master and refuse to follow the other. You cannot serve both God and worldly riches. Now Jesus was talking here about money being a master. And it is for many people. I mean, they run their life uh, on the basis of money, about earning the money that they need to pay for their house or for their car or for their vacations or for their luxuries. And money is clearly their master and it's clearly a bad master. But Jesus' principle goes beyond that. You cannot have two people in charge. You cannot say that you are in charge of your life and your choices and also claim to follow Jesus. You cannot claim that you're in charge and he's in charge. Many have tried, but it doesn't work. It doesn't work. I mean, if you're claiming that Jesus is in charge of your life, but then you're explaining why you don't need to do some of the things that the Bible clearly teaches you to do, like serving or giving or forgiving, you're in charge. He isn't. And if you're claiming that Jesus is in charge, but you miss or cancel a lot of growth groups or you miss weekend services because of your convenience or your fun, you're in charge. He isn't. And you might think I'm just being dramatic here, but if you think I'm wrong, let's talk and I can show you where the Bible gives clear instructions for people who claim to be following Jesus in these areas. Now, I'm not saying these things to guilt you. I'm not saying these things so that you can be put to shame. I'm trying to get you to make an honest decision in your life. To make an honest decision. It is your right to decide to maintain control of your life and all of your choices. You can do that, but you can't do that and claim that he's in charge of your life. That you're following him. You can't have it both ways, even though we try. Now, is it possible that part of your dissatisfaction in life is you're trying to stay in charge of your life while claiming that Jesus is in charge? The first decision you have to make is who will be in charge of your life. And to be all in for Jesus, he has to be in charge. Now, I have decided that Jesus is in charge of my life. One of the things that happens when you do that is there's a whole lot of decisions that are just made for you. There's a whole lot of things that you don't have to decide anymore when Jesus is in charge of your life. I mean, I have no choice. I have to rearrange my finances so I can give what he wants me to give. I have to deal with hurt by uh, confronting it in a biblical way or by forgiving. And I, I have to make it a priority to become like Jesus and how I act and how I react and how I treat people. I have to do these things and more because I've made this firm decision that Jesus 
is in charge of my life. So decide. Who's in charge? Who's in charge? Now, some of you honestly have already decided that. You have decided that Jesus is in charge of your life. You made that decision years ago or months ago or weeks ago, and you meant it. You were really sincere. You meant it. And if that's the case, then you need, it may need to make the second decision that we'll talk about, and that is to decide to stop coasting. Decide to stop coasting. Look at what Jesus said in Revelation chapter 3. It's Jesus speaking. He says this, I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other, but since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Now Jesus is talking to a church here. He's talking to Christ followers to church members and church leaders and he says I want you hot or I want you cold I don't want you lukewarm if you're lukewarm I'm just going to spit you out and by the way the word there for spit you out is actually vomit I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth so Jesus says I would rather have you completely on fire for me enthused and energetic and on fire or I would rather have you totally cold towards me but when you're half-hearted when you're just going through the motions Jesus says when you're playing games with me it makes me want to puke it makes me sick to my stomach Jesus says so we have to decide whether we're gonna coast spiritually or get serious about our faith Now, notice I didn't say that you have to decide if you're going to be totally cold towards Jesus because if you're coasting spiritually, you will eventually end up cold towards Jesus. So if we decide not to coast, just what does that look like? Well, one day Jesus was with some people and they were asking him some questions. They were really trying to trick him, to trip him up. And one of them asked what the greatest and most important command was. And Jesus quoted some scripture in order to answer. And the scriptures that he quoted also explain what it looks like when we aren't coasting. Look at what he said in Mark chapter 12. Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind and all your strength. The second is equally as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Now in your notes or on your device, would you highlight or underline all of the places in that passage where the word all appears? Having the best year ever will begin with loving God with all your heart all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And when I do that, I can't coast. When I do that, I can't go through the motions. Using all my heart and soul and mind and strength requires energy, all of my energy. It requires sacrifice. It's really hard work. To give him all of my heart and soul and mind and strength. 
Now, if you decide to stay in control of your own life or to continue coasting, you can do that, but you won't be following Jesus fully. But if you decide to follow Jesus fully, if you're ready to take the radical step, first you decide that he's going to be in charge of your life, and then you decide to give him your best energy with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Then you take this radical step and live all in. Live all in. Well, what does that mean? How does that affect things? What does being all in for Jesus look like? To answer that, I want to reshare some principles I shared about four years ago. Maybe it would help us to understand what it means to be all in. If we looked at what Jesus expected of the 12 people that he chose to follow him fully. The 12 closest followers he had while he was here on earth. And in Mark chapter 1, Jesus asks some people to follow him and to work with him. Look at these verses. Start with verse 16 of Mark 1. And as he was going along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net in the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. And they immediately left their nets and followed him. Now, it's an interesting thing here. Did you notice? They immediately left their jobs and followed. They immediately changed careers just like that. They went all in and they followed him fully. So let's look at three adjustments we have to make if I'm going to go all in for Jesus. If I'm all in, I have to go where he wants me to go. I have to go where he wants me to go. Look again at the first phrase of verse 17. And Jesus said to them, follow me. It's very simple what he said there. But understand what he's saying. If Jesus is asking us to follow him, he must have somewhere that he wants to take us. If he's asking us to follow him, he must have somewhere where he wants us to go. Has it occurred to you yet? Jesus wants you to follow him. That means he has a plan for you. That means he has some place that he wants you to end up with him. He has this journey he wants you to go on. And if he's leading, that means he gets to decide where you end up. So going where he wants you to go means no negotiation. No negotiation. I mean, it'd be nice if we could say, Jesus, I will follow you as long as the destination includes an ocean view. I would like that. Or it would be nice if we could say, Jesus, I will follow you as long as the destination keeps me in close proximity with my family. I'd like that too. But if I'm following, I don't get to negotiate the route. I don't get to negotiate the destination. Jesus may be asking you to follow him someplace where you're uncomfortable ending up. It might be the mission field. He might be asking you to change cultures or change countries. He might ask you to follow him to your neighbor's house 
to invite them to church. It might be he wants you to spend more weekends at church and less on sports fields or pursuing your hobby and following him might mean walking away from some things that you're currently chasing after. But you don't get to negotiate. Second, it means no excuses. It's part of the message I had to cut out. You can write this down. Later, look at Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 62. Luke 9, 57 through 62. And there you will see a few people who said that they were ready to follow Jesus. And then they had some excuses. And when you see the excuses, you're going to think their excuses are incredibly valid. There are really good reasons for postponing following Jesus. And then you'll see how Jesus reacts. Jesus said no to all of their excuses. He said, follow me now without excuse. And that's the same message he has for us today. Now is the right time for you to go where he wants you to go. No excuses. Now, you could be completely sincere when you say, you know, Jesus, I really will serve you when the kids get older. I really will serve you when uh, this craziness ends in my life. Jesus, I am going to follow you fully and I'll get more serious about you after I get out of school or when I get married. You could be completely sincere on that, but following fully means going where he decides I should go without negotiation, without excuse. Look what Jesus said in Mark chapter 8. Calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. If I'm all in, it means I'm just a passenger on this ride that he's taking me on. I go where he wants me to go. Secondly, if I'm all in, it means... I have to become what he wants me to become. I have to become what he wants me to become. Look back at verse 17 in Mark chapter 1. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become. Stop right there. Underline that phrase, I will make you become. I like this part. When I choose to follow Jesus, I'm not the same anymore. He makes me to become different. He makes me become better. He uses his power to change me. Deciding to follow Jesus means I am willing to let him change me. I will become whatever he wants me to become. Let me quickly give five observations about letting Jesus change me. First is this. He hasn't given up on us. He hasn't given up on us. Too often, the reason we don't change very much is because we've given up. I mean, we tried to overcome that bad habit. We tried to be different and we failed. And so we say it's impossible and we quit trying. But Jesus hasn't given up on changing us. He knows that it can be done and he will give us help. He'll give us the strength to do it. The second observation is this. He still helps us up. When we fall, when we falter, when 
we fail, he isn't standing there scowling with his hands on his hips. He isn't horrified. He isn't disappointed in us. He isn't harsh and critical. He just reaches down and gives us a loving hand to get back up and to get moving in the right direction again. Third observation about uh, letting Jesus change us is this. He decides when we're done. He decides when we're done. If we're letting him lead us, if we're letting him control us, if we are becoming what he wants us to become, then he gets to decide when we've changed and stretched and grown enough. Now, I know many Christians who talk a lot about how much Jesus changed them five years ago or 25 years ago, and they seem to think that they've arrived that they've finished growing. And I don't know when that happens. I don't know when we have finished or when we've arrived, but I've been a Christ follower for 50 years and I'm not done yet. Jesus is still working on me and he gets to decide when we're done changing. He gets to decide. And then another observation, his plan for you is better His plan for you is better. No matter what goals you had laid out for your life, no matter what you've dreamed about for yourself, his idea is better. He knows you better than you know yourself, and his plan will make you happier. It will make you more fulfilled. And then the last observation is this. He waits for permission from you. He waits for permission from you. This is important. Jesus is not going to force you to follow him. He is not going to drag you along behind him to get you to follow him. He will lead you and he will help you become the person he wants you to be. But only after you give him permission, only after you say, Jesus, I am all in. Jesus, I am going to follow you fully. So I have decided to become what he wants me to become. And by the way, don't miss the fact that you're going to change either way. You're going to change either way. I mean, if you choose to follow the crowd, you will become like them. And if you decide to follow Jesus, you will become like him. Look at what it says in Romans chapter 12 verse 2. Do not change yourself to be like the people of this world, but be changed within by a new way of thinking. Then you will be able to decide what God wants for you. You will know what is good and pleasing to him and what is perfect. Let Jesus change your heart and your mind so that you can become what he wants you to become. Lastly, to be all in for Jesus, I have to do what he wants me to do. I have to do what he wants me to do. Look again at Mark chapter 1, verse 17. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Fishers of men. Jesus invited people to follow him and he said, if you follow me, I will give you a job to do. I'll give you a job to do. 
to the fishermen that he was talking to in this verse. He said, if you follow me, I will use you to fish for people. I will use you to fish for people who need hope. I will use you to fish for people who need help that only I can give. I will fish for you, uh, use you to fish for people who need heaven. Instead of fishing for fish, you're going to fish for men. He said, if you follow me, I will use you to influence people. And his plan hasn't changed. Just like he wanted to use them to reach out and influence people, he still wants to use you and me to influence other people who need Jesus. But it starts with that decision of who's going to be in charge. That decision to follow him fully. Do you remember as a kid when you played follow the leader? you remember? The leader was the person that you followed. I mean, if that leader crawled under a picnic table, you all crawled under the picnic table. When the leader hopped on one leg, you all hopped on one leg. If the leader uh, went in circles, you went in circles. The leader gets to decide what the followers do. And if Jesus is our leader... We need to do what he wants us to do. Unfortunately, even while he was still on earth, Jesus said sometimes that didn't work very well, that sometimes people who claimed that he was their leader didn't always do a good job of following and doing what he wanted them to do. Look at what he says in Luke chapter 6, verse 46. He says, why do you keep saying that I am your Lord? Let's put that in our terms today. Why do you keep saying that I'm your manager, your boss, your dictator when you refuse to do what I say? Why would you keep calling me your boss and not do what I tell you to do? Here's the bottom line. To be all in, I must obey him. To be all in, I must obey him. Sometimes we try to play games with this. I mean, we need to understand we don't have that option. If we say we are committed to following Jesus, we have to obey him. We have to follow even the parts of what he says we need to do that we don't like. Do you know what partial obedience is called? Another word for partial obedience disobedience okay imagine this I'm flying down the parkway at 90 miles an hour okay flying down the parkway 90 miles an hour and a police officer pulls me over okay when the police officer comes to my window I say officer I know I was probably going a little fast because 90 miles an hour is a little fast I guess I know I, I know I was going a little fast, but I want you to know I'm obeying the seatbelt law. I have my seatbelt on. And officer, every time I changed lanes while going down the parkway at 90 miles an hour, I used my turn signal. I was partially obeying the law. You know what that officer is going to do? He's going to give me a ticket. Because partial obedience is disobedience. It's disobedience. 
And some of you have been congratulating yourself that you obey Jesus some of the time. But deciding to follow Jesus means I will do what he wants me to do every time. Being all in means I obey him. So we come to the end of the message, but I don't want you to miss the fact that this could be the beginning. Today could be the beginning of your best year ever. And it starts with two decisions. Who's in charge? And are you going to keep coasting? Honestly, even, even if you decided to stay firmly in charge of your life and you made that firm decision and you pushed Jesus aside, your life probably feels a little bit better because you're no longer pretending. Now, if you choose that, you may have a little bit better year, but you're not going to have a great eternity. I'm hoping that today you decide no more discussion. Jesus is in charge of my life. Jesus is in charge, and I'm not going to coast anymore. I'm not going to play games with him. I'm going to love him and the people that he loves with all my heart and soul and mind and strength. I'm going to live all in. I'm just going to push every aspect of my life into the arms of Jesus, and I'm going to live all in trusting him. Can I make you a promise? If you do that, if you go all in for Jesus you will never regret it and you will begin the best year ever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, somehow in America we have come to believe that we can somehow claim to be your followers without really letting you affect our life very much. Somehow we can be your followers and hold on to what we want and do things our way and pick and choose which parts of your uh, instructions we're going to follow and which ones we're going to ignore. Father, today we really do want better. We do want different. So, Father, I pray that in this room, all around this room, people will have the courage to say, Jesus, I'm all in. You're in charge. <clears throat> I'm not going to play games. I'm not going to coast. I'm all in for you. Father, I just pray as we do that, as we commit ourselves fully to going where you want us to go and becoming where you want, what you want us to become and doing what you want us to do, that you would just show us your grace <clears throat> as we begin to live the best year ever. In Jesus' name, amen.